0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions here from the studios at Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado. The weather has been amazing here lately, but so, so windy. I mean, it's super windy right now. Um, but the weather, it kind of reminds me of Southern California in the low 70s. Sunny, beautiful, warm, fair. Such a great place to be. Wherever the Lord has us, that's where he wants us. And that's a great place to be. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. That's how you get on the air with me. Everybody listening on Grace FM and Truth Radio by Grace uh, networks are listening live, uh, so we're right together live. You're hearing it as it goes out. Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio. Just want to shout out to you guys because you know you guys fill so much of our phone calls because uh, you, you guys are, are very loyal listeners, and we're grateful to you. Uh, the only difference that you experience is when you call... You're going to talk like you're on the air. You're live because you will be on the air on the live stations. But you'll be able to hear your call on your station next week. So give me a call. You're the show. 303-690-3000. 303-690. 3000 -3000 is the number. Taking your call and your questions. I was able to meet with a group of pastors today here in Aurora, a group of pastors um, that aren't uh, Calvary Chapel. Um, I'm a Calvary Chapel. I have a lot of great friends that are Calvary Chapel pastors, and I love them. Uh, and there's a lot of great pastors in our community. So I was able to meet with a group today, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of warfare going around surrounding the lives of pastors and churches. Uh, one brother in particular, he pastors here in Denver, was sharing how COVID has really devastated his church, the pandemic, the last two years. Uh, a lot of key people have left. I think he said, I don't have my notes, but I think he said 70% of his church has left and not returned. So now he's faced with some real critical decisions. It uh, doesn't have a place to meet. And uh, I just wanted to remind you about supporting your pastor, supporting your pastoral team, your church, It has been a super challenging time, and many, many, I was uh, even this morning reading another article about a mass exodus. It's always, you know, we've always used the same statistics of a report that went out a few years ago, but they're doing new research over at Barna, and they're anticipating a great uh, departure from ministry, from pastors quitting. Uh, And I don't mean quitting necessarily in the sense of sinfulness or anything, but like they're tired, they're burned out. they're it's difficult. It's hard. There's no money to pay them, and on and on the list goes. So, would you, would you just pray for your pastor? Would you support him? Would you send them a note? Would you buy them a cup of coffee? Would you <clears throat> encourage them in the Lord? I know God will use that in a wonderful way through your life. Uh, pastors serve, you know, strongly uh, committed to their congregation, committed to the call of God upon their life. But the warfare, I was a little shocked. I don't know why. It's because we went around the room, you know, sharing what's going on in our lives and what's going on in the life of our churches. And I was a little shocked to hear this brother. And, you know, he wasn't really discouraged. I mean, he he was discouraged, but not, not he wasn't overly dramatic, I guess, is the right way. He was just saying it matter-of-factly. And, you know, for a church planner to look out at his church and consider that 70 and that's a 70% of his congregation left and hasn't been back and now he has to make decisions about staying open or not it's just heartbreaking 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 great question here uh in regards to Cain in the Bible which we're about to study on our midweek Bible study here in a couple of weeks related to Cain he says he's a condemned to a life of wandering <clears throat> did he die or is he still uh, wandering? Uh, Cain did indeed die. Um, the, the reality of his life was not that he would have a uh, continual uh, life never ending but that the life that he lived would be that of a wanderer. Uh, and so Cain died. Taking your calls, your questions, and your text messages. That was a text that came through. 720-336-0897 is the number. Uh, That's the number to use for texting. Uh, 720-336-0897. And... Uh, what a what a wonderful opportunity to be together on the radio today, allowing the Holy Spirit uh, to minister to us, to encourage us, uh, to strengthen us. Um, and here's a text. Um, here's the pastor who lost 70% needs to read the story of Gideon and be encouraged. Um, you know, um, obviously, this is a text message coming in, um, but I didn't... I didn't give enough information, and you don't have enough information to really find out where the brother's at. Surely, uh, Gideon would be an encouraging story for him of what what's happening. Um, but it may be other factors. Uh, it may be other issues. So, <clears throat> you know, when I, I I'm mentioning this before we get to the phone lines, because like he needs to read the story. No, no, actually what we need to do is learn more about people that are struggling. What we need to do is ask good questions to find out where they're at. What we need to do is really be open to the Holy Spirit to be used by him. We may not even need to say anything to the brother. Uh, we may not, he, he may uh, already be encouraged of the Lord or he may know things, but he doesn't need to do anything except abide in Christ. And I just would encourage you, be careful uh, when you hear things, and you, you again, it's texting, so it, it may not uh, apply. You can always call. We could talk about it. But I never want to just assess a situation and this is what you need to do. And you may not have meant that. You might be driving or anything. So just for the sake of dialogue, if you want to talk, I would love to hear it. But I I am trying to teach our church uh, and anyone that's listening that we want to show we want to be patient with others. We want to show preference. We want to walk in humility. And I didn't get a chance to talk to this brother because I had to I had to head out uh, quickly. But I do know his church. I'm going to reach out to him, and I will um, come alongside. and And if the Lord can use me, great. If not, um, okay. Um, it, it's interesting that um, um, to my right was another brother uh, who uh, was sharing part of his testimony, and and part of his testimony was. Um, the loss of a child um, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. Uh, and it was amazing because he um, broke down uh, and uh, it was like it happened yesterday. And he actually used the phrase of a um, of a, of a um, blog post. I recently, I wrote it just this week about grief and I titled it, you, Grief is not something you're going to get over. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to encourage many people, um, especially those that might have gotten advice that say, uh, hey, you should be over this by now, or you might beat yourself up because you think you should be over it by now. And you know, your grief isn't something you're gonna get over. And um this particular brother, the the pastor sitting next to me to my right, who I met today, he um, you know, he's just looking at his son would have been eighteen. This year would have been graduating high school, been launching off and, you know, just having to deal with the significance of not experiencing his life and all the different milestones. So it just brings back grief um, like like it was yesterday, you know, and, uh, you know, even in the loss of my son, not being able to see our grandson. You know, it's just a real ongoing nasty grief upon pain, upon grief, upon pain. And you just okay, Lord, you're our strength. Uh, You're our help. Um, you're our hope, and I hope is in you, Lord. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. head out to Maryland. Crystal's on the line. Crystal, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, great. Thank you so much for taking you're my welcome. call. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. What can I do for you? You're on the air.
3: So my question is about um, women preaching the word of God. And the biblical, um, what is God's stance on that? And, and if, who are they allowed to preach to? If they're, I'm pretty sure that they're not supposed to be preaching like on the Sunday service, but are they allowed to do a Bible study or is it two men or is it just to women or are they, they, you know, restricted to, you know, just conferences or something like that? I'm just trying to figure out. And if so, if, if, it, if it's been brought to the attention, if you're going to a church and it's not biblical, should if they're still going to continue to do it, should you leave that church?
0: No, those are great questions. You know, and it's a a big debate, uh, especially in the last 50 years uh, in the Western Church, primarily uh, a huge debate about this particular topic it falls into two categories, two technical categories that you might hear words. Used to describe them on one side is the group that believes in the Bible teaches complementarianism, uh, and that's the view that uh, the man was uh, created first, just like the Bible says, and that Eve was created as a complement uh, to the man, that he, she would then come alongside um, her husband and support, and that that complementarianism, as it applies into the New Testament Church would say that the New Testament church is to be uh, overseen by men, that the role of elder and pastor, according to First Timothy 3 and other places, is reserved for men. Uh, and complementarianism has been the uh, overall direction of the church, like I said, almost from uh, from the beginning until about 50, 60 years ago in general. The other view is egalitarian. The idea behind an, an egalitarian view is that men and women are equal in every way and they can do everything the same. Um, that's a simplistic, simplistic description of it, but it's basically their argument. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, and they use kind of that, that mindset that um, you know the modern-day women can do anything men, men can do. <clears throat> so where do, where, does, where do I stand? I'm, I, I, I'm a complementarian. I believe that the churches that the pastor elder role is limited to men, uh, and that that would be include the primary teaching of doctrine for the church is reserved for the pastoral or elder team of a church. So, with that being said, then like the rest of your question, well, who can women teach? Well, women can teach anyone. They can teach men, women. They can teach kids. Um, they can teach friends, they can teach enemies. And, of course, the the you can hear the screeching breaks at times where, what do you mean they can teach men? Well, I'll give you a couple examples where that would apply. Number one, what about a 50-year-old mom with a 30-year-old son? Can she teach him anything? Mm-hmm. And what about um, uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, you have... Um, You have, I I want to say Ananias and Sapphira, but it's not them. It's the other husband and wife team in the book of Acts. Um, Oh, my goodness. My memory is not what it needs to be. Uh, It will come to me, but we have a teaching team uh, in the book of Acts, husband and wife, who equally teach together. Um, We certainly see that at marriage retreats today, where I've done retreats with my wife that have a mixed audience of men and women. And so... Um, I believe that's biblical. Um, I don't believe the p- posture and position of God is this, woman, you shall not teach. I don't think that's his heart. It might be the heart of some men and women, um, some leaders yeah. in churches today, but I don't believe that's the heart of God. Um, I believe the heart of God is exactly as the Bible says. Women are important. Uh, women are valuable. Yeah. Some of the most fruitful ministry that's ever taken place in our church has been through the precious women of our, of our fellowship. Um, and there's a lot of ministry that's available, uh, women in leadership, women uh, to, you see in the Bible, worship leaders, Bible teachers, uh, and and so they women can prophesy, they can speak in tongues, they can teach, everything is available to them except the role of leading in the church, and, and some might say, well, that's not fair, that's not fair, I don't believe that, and, and I would respect that, I don't agree with it, but I would respect it, but women yeah. and men are not equal in every way. Um, there there are uniquenesses. There is a uniqueness yeah. to men and women. Um, for example, I could say that I could say men uh, cannot that they are not equal to women in this profound way. They can't have a baby. Exactly, yes. They weren't designed for that. That's not God's design. It doesn't, and so there's another fancy theological word, and then I'll get to the last part of your question, and you could give me your follow-up, but there's a fancy word if you want to throw around and say you learned it. It's men and women, from God's perspective, are ontologically equal, and that means in the creative power of God creating us in his image, we are 100% equal. You are not better than me, and I am not better than you. That doesn't mean we're not different or distinct. I mean, exactly. we are different in so many ways. You grew up somewhere else, with a different family. You uh, and, and on and on we can go through those. So. Yes. What do you do uh, when a woman is a pastor or a primary teacher? I can only speak for myself in that sense. I wouldn't go to that church.
3: Yes. And and what it is is the pastor is a man at the church, but he he regularly has women I mean women preaching so as as I'm growing in the Lord I've come to realize that that shouldn't be especially on a Sunday morning and I had a kind of I was kind of not sure where to go with it because I've heard different things well they they're not supposed to primarily teach Sunday service like that's what I've heard um I haven't really backed it up biblically but that's like the main thing like they should like you said they shouldn't be leading the main service or you shouldn't be leading a church but I've heard that they can they can do a Bible study or they can but the whole men, the whole teaching to men thing too, was a struggle for me because I'm not. You know, I'm trying to figure out.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not. If my if my wife had a word from, let's just say this. So I've been pastoring here 22 years, and my wife had a word from the Lord, and we're one. Like you know, the the thing. Yeah. It's interesting. There's differences without distinctions because my wife and I talk about the Bible at home. She gives me yes. insights when she's. Like she inform in our relationship, marriage relationship, she informs me of quite a bit of things she's learned, things she's found, things like we collaborate in ministry. And if she said, Ed, I really think I have a word to deliver to the to the congregation, being my wife, being one, I probably would let her. And I don't think I'd be sinning. Um, I'm not, she's not usurping authority. She's teaching under my pastoral authority. I would be there to correct any biblical, I mean, we, it wouldn't become a norm. It would be, um, and I know other pastors are pressing that even farther. And, and again, I respect them even if I don't agree with them, but I do believe the primary leading of the congregation and in teaching of doctrine in the primary services, and you know when a when the gathering is together is to be by the senior pastor or in some cases people um will say the senior leadership, but you know, I just saw life church Craig Rochelle, you know he's a real um effective pastor in Oklahoma, and he just had his wife my um teach and I haven't heard it yet, but I wasn't immediately up in arms about it like. I'm not, you know, something my wife also gave me that I've been adopting is, you know, it's not my servant. He's not my servant, so he doesn't have to answer to me. Um, Yeah. I don't think he's in gross sin. Um, And even if, I mean, I I suspect, because I've heard some ladies, I've heard my wife teach, I've heard some women teach, very good. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: um, But then we have to hold them accountable because somebody like uh, Joyce Meyer, she's she's a real effective communicator, but she does not belong in the pulpit.
3: Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that was I was gonna say that you know I feel like the enemy is using that with a lot of women to entice them or seduce them like and they really I agree maybe at one time maybe they one time that they really did teach the word of God and they're not at all anymore. So I agree,
0: I would definitely agree with that. That I was just talking about that last night and the fact that you use the word seduce, I used that exact word last night in how the enemy works. You know, he takes us. You know, there's a process that happens through his temptations in our cooperation where our sin becomes a seductive force to draw someone else into sin and uh, uh it's it's very common and so you know i think that it, it in matters of debate like this or cultural pressures it's safest for us to try to stay as close to the new testament model of church as possible and that way i mean we're all going to have to answer to the lord for our decisions i think we'll all be surprised by how much we got right and how much we got wrong uh, in the secondary matters. Um, but I do know that we can trust him and I am a strong complementarian, and I don't see that changing.
3: Okay. righty. Well, thank you so much for your insight and helping me. And I really appreciate you taking my call as well. Thank you so well, much.
0: Thanks for calling. Bye. Thank bye. you. Hey, I noticed you guys text in. Thanks for the, I couldn't, it just completely blanked out. So thank you guys, Priscilla and Aquila. And it seems because of the order of words that Priscilla was the primary teacher. Uh, she was mentioned first. So um, certainly women are gifted teachers, and they can exercise that gift in a variety of different ways and should be given the freedom to exercise that gift for the edification of the church. Um, so 303-690-3000, 303 690 3,000 is the number. Uh, Where are we? Coming back to Denver. Ricky, line two, welcome to the program. Ricky or Anthony? All right. Someone has been gone from the house for eight days, taken to the hospital, released, wandering the streets looking for him in the Thornton area. Father, I pray that this person will be found before any more harm comes to them. I pray, God, that you would keep them uh, sober and away from the prevalence of all the drugs and things that are available on the streets right now and that you would bring them home safely to their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's come back to uh, David in Westminster. Welcome to the program.
2: Hello, how are you doing?
0: I'm okay. What's up?
2: Um, I wanted, to, I, I, just wanted to give a prayer out because um, my wife and I are in a little bit of turmoil. Um, my wife just gained custody of her daughters. Um, she was in a divorce, and she just gained custody of her daughters. And uh, when we go to church at our church, there's no youth ministry. There's nothing. Uh, her daughters are falling asleep in the, in the bench behind me, you know, and we're deep into this church. We love our church and, uh, we want to know what we got to do because we want to take care of her daughters and they're not, they're not hearing the word of God because they're sleeping.
0: Of course. And have you guys talked about finding another church?
2: Yes, we have.
0: And are you disagreeing on that?
2: no we're not we're agreeing on it we love our church and we feel like um we're letting our church down well we're letting our church down because we want to take care of our daughters but we my wife's daughters but we want to be correct with my wife's daughters
0: okay well let me give you a different perspective that might help you as you guys pray through this Um, okay if the church and the community of believers is the focus then it's going to stir up all kinds of emotions, just like you just shared. I feel like I'm letting my church down, and yes. and so the church can't be the focus, and neither can your daughters be the focus. Um, okay. What the focus would be is, Lord, where do you want my family? I will follow you wherever you lead me. And if the Lord is truly, and He does lead through these very practical things, where you want to see your daughter, you want to see these da- these young girls discipled and built up. You want to see them learn about God with kids of their own age um, to get the Word of God broken down at their age level. Those are all good desires. Um, they're all important desires. They're all good, practical, parental decisions that need to be made. And as you're praying already through these things, you you come to the place where, okay, Lord, we're going to visit other churches um, so that you can give us confirmation that you what you want us to do. Uh, and, you know, again... The church itself doesn't take responsibility for your kids' discipleship. It's just helping you disciple your kids and make up the difference, right? So let's just say right now you stay in this church and the girls fall asleep. Um, what? How old are they? Um, nine and 13. Okay, so especially the 13-year-old. But the 90-year-old is old enough too. You. Here's the thing. When we go to church, you don't go to sleep. You take out your Bible, you get a piece of note, you get a piece of paper, and you listen to the man speaking, and you take notes. And then when we get home, we'll talk about what we learned together. And so it may be even a parenting opportunity where it's not mean or anything, you're not mad at them, but you're training them. At church, we don't fall asleep. Uh, At church, we pay attention. And, and it could be small. Maybe they fall asleep half of the message. You know, I know people when I'm teaching people sleep all the time. So it's not that you don't come to church tired, but like, I
2: I mean, I have done it once myself too. Of course you get tired and you, and you fall asleep. I
0: admit it. So it's not the issue like they're in trouble. That's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. It's not, they're right. in, not that they're in trouble, but this is an opportunity. So you've got a couple opportunities. One is to take more of an active role in the discipleship of your daughters. And one way you can do that is by helping them understand wh- what we do when we go to church. If there's no youth group, then we our 13-year-old is definitely old enough to understand the Bible study period. Right. And I'm pretty sure the nine-year-old is too. Um, I bet yeah. you your nine-year-old is pretty sharp and smart in many different things. And so Fair. they are old enough to yeah. be responsible at, the, at a nine-year-old level, at a 13-year-old level. And so right. you have that opportunity, and yet that will happen anywhere. Any church you go to, you're going to want to be involved in their lives to disciple them. But I do agree with you that it's worth praying about and seeking out if it's God's will. And you won't. You know, te- you, technically, you won't be letting anyone down because you're choos- choosing to obey God. Right. Yes, and
2: that's what I was feeling too. Because I don't want to let everybody down, but I want to. I want to be true to everyone. Of course, to you can't.
0: It's not possible. And you're you're at a crossroads. And right. you know, you can you can also look at it this way. Well, if you end up staying at this church, then you're letting some other church down, right? It never ends. So, if we can just And you're, why would you say, well, why am I letting, because you never went to that other church and you got, God could use you there and God could use you here. And you see, that's just, we don't want to make the church the point. We just want to keep our eyes on the Lord and follow him and he will lead us exactly where he wants us when he wants us there.
2: Well, I thank you so much for um, enlightening me on this and um, I appreciate it a hundred percent and God bless everybody out there.
0: Amen. Let's pray for your family. Father, I thank you for this dad who truly wants to be the leader of his home, the leader of the girls here, Lord, be in the right fellowship. He wants to be faithful to his church family and and even has a sense of wanting to please and be available to, to help this church family. So in leading him and guiding him, God, I pray you would give him a confirmation of exactly what you want him to do, exactly how you want to use him, and we look forward to the development of his of his spiritual life and family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Bless you. Bless you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. That's a great call. I hope you guys pray for him. Uh, but also, I, I hope that you... You know, even those of you that are wondering about my kids and what's going to happen in this world and how we have the privilege as well as the responsibility of being involved in our kids' lives, discipling them, opening the Word with them. I, I, I was thinking about the, 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 the early atmosphere of the church where where to—well, we'll get to it when we get back from the break. My name is Ed Taylor pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You're listening to Calvary Live. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to
1: Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or
0: text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and questions. We just finished a call on the other first half, and and we were talking to a brother about parenting and finding the church with a youth group for his kids, and his kids are falling asleep in the sanctuary. And I was just reminded of this passage, something that God gave me very early on in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, And these words which I command you today, verse 6, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and walk by the way. Uh, we have a responsibility, church, to teach the word to our kids, which means that comes with the responsibility of knowing the word of God ourselves so that we can teach it. Uh, and we can't relegate it to a Christian school. They can only help. And we can't relegate it just to a Christian church ministry, uh, children's ministry. They can help. It is our responsibility It always has been and it always will be to disciple, to train our kids. And let me just say, we have a tool that you can both be discipled yourself and use it to disciple your kids. So email me and I will send you discipleship resources absolutely free. I'll send you a series of links that you can download things, print them out, use them. Uh, and you, like I said, a nine-year-old, you could talk about the things of the Lord straight up to a nine-year-old. You'll be surprised, especially if your nine-year-old's playing on the playground, your nine-year-old's in the public school. uh, You will be surprised how much they already know. Yes, how much they already know, and it's just the way it is. So teach them the Word. Don't be ashamed of it, and bring it down to their level. Uh, Bring it down to what they're thinking through and um, and the Lord will use you. It's amazing. The Lord will use you. And we praise God for that. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls, taking your questions. Let me get back to the phone lines here. We have, um, it looks like in line three is Deborah in Aurora, Colorado. Deborah, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. You're welcome.
1: Well, I had a quick question. Uh, you know, I was brought up in church, and you know, I, I consider myself a Christian. You know, born into Christianity, and you know, was always taught the Word. And and I, you know, I I just had a question. You know, I always people always say, oh, when I pass away, I want to see see my grandma, or you know, they want to see that person again. Okay. You know, yeah that they love and you know, they're a loved one and I was wondering if if I was if like for instance I was married to a fellow who was a non believer and uh, and um uh, you know uh and now he's passed. He passed away. I was wondering if there's still a connection there and do do people who as a matter of fact I think it's in it in, in the Bible it says I think if I can't remember if it was in where it was, but it talks about oh. when you're you're married. You become one. When you get married, you okay. become one. And and I was once wondering, do, if if I'm a believer, and and he passed away as a non-believer, an atheist. First, he was an he agnostic. He was a Christian when I met him, and then he was a agnostic and an atheist. I was just wondering. I won't be seeing him then. Of course, I don't. I'm not really sure about that. And then, like I said, some people say they're going to see their girlfriend or she other people when they pass away and i'm just wondering um i think what it says also in the bible when you go to heaven you'll see jesus you know of course and but i'm just wondering um, about that uh if if you if, if you're with someone for many many years and and they're really not on the, we're all on different journeys in life on different paths and such and i'm just wondering is there a connection there well uh let me I'm ask let me
0: I think I understand your question do you are you asking if through the relationship that somehow um a spouse's salvation can apply to the other spouse? Possibly okay, uh, so we, that we, question we, is no. The answer to that question is no. Everyone's gonna give individual account for their own lives before God. So there are advantages though to being married to a believer. The Bible does speak of the, the believer sanctifies or sets apart or is a special blessing to the unbelieving spouse, but the salvation is individual. The Bible says that it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So we're all going to have, well, although you're right, there's a beautiful unity that happens in marriage, a beautiful oneness that takes place. The oneness doesn't replace our individuality and so we still have our own individual lives but what God did was add to our lives a newness of relationship that we get to enjoy in marriage but your salvation is is for you and you alone and so would be the husband's salvation is for them and them alone nobody can save anyone else it's a personal born-again experience by every individual with God himself
1: well, okay. And I guess I understand that. Like, I'm thinking, I wonder if I'm going to see that person when I pass away. And I'm thinking, I think not because.
0: Yeah, it's hard. And
1: then I'm even thinking about my grandma. I'm thinking, gee, am I really going to see grandma?
0: Well, right. let me give you a way to think about it that will help you. Um, because, you know, we're we're in the realm of asking and answering questions that we really don't know. I mean, we think we know because we see their life and they see their, but we don't really know. And so the way I like to think of it, especially for those that we really don't know, is that I'm going to lean upon my God on this. And I know my God is fair, and I know my God is righteous, and I know my God is holy. I know my God keeps his promises. So for my grandmother, for my spouse, for those I'm unsure of, I know that before God... They will be treated fairly and out of love and the care and concern of their creator. And that gives me comfort. I know it kind of scares me that I may not see them because the way they live their life and maybe they renounce God and such. Um, But I don't know what happened in the final moments of their life. I don't know how, I don't know what they're dealing with. I, I don't know. But I do know this. God is fair, righteous, and just, and they're going to get a fair shake with God when they f- see Him face to face.
1: Okay, Because God is the final judge of of, of our our existence, our eternal existence, yeah. right?
0: I missed the first part of your question. You're breaking up.
1: I, th- I said God is the, the the judge of our of our <clears throat> eternal existence.
0: Yes, He is. Of where yes. we
1: where we end up when we pass away.
0: Yes, he is and he will make that judgment fairly for all of us.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All so right. I just I like I said cuz a lot of women and a lot of people throw that idea out that they're going to see this person or that person when they pass away. I don't think it's How do they know that? Yeah.
0: So well, I do think that there is uh, I know my wife is born again, I know my kids are born again, I know my son is born again. Not only did they confess the Lord Jesus with their mouth, but they believed in their heart, God raised them from the dead. They lived their life uh, as born-again believers. So I do know that, and I do know that every true believer, every born-again believer, we will be reunited with. The Bible promises that. Um, we'll be in the presence of Jesus together. Um, and and so that's something that you can hold on to. That's true.
1: All right, then. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you for, for okay, explaining that to me. I
0: appreciate it. You're welcome. Such a privilege. 303 3000 Ah, we're heading over to Knoxville, Tennessee. Cody, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, Pastor, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, check this out, Cody. I'm just looking at the call screen here and I'm reminded I'm going to be in Knoxville later this year. Oh, really? For the very first time. I've never been. I'm trying to think. I don't even think I've ever been to Tennessee. But yeah, I think later in the later in the year I'm going to be at the Calvary Chapel. Um doing a men's conference and also teaching uh, their weekend services at Calvary Chapel, Knoxville.
4: Interesting. Yeah. That's where we go. Calvary Knoxville.
0: Yeah. Let me see what, let me see if I can find it. I know you got a question here, but let's see. I think it is uh, in September.
4: Perfect. I'll yeah. It's going to be great. On my calendar.
0: Yeah. Do it. So what can I do for you?
4: Uh, well, uh kind of at a loss right now. Um, so, my wife and I are very, you know, firm believers. We, we went to your church in Colorado and everything, and we definitely we're on the same page with a lot of things. Okay. Um, my mother-in-law, um, for the past year or so, she's kind of taken a different path, um, different views on Christianity, and okay. uh, recently she's kind of been, uh, I guess, bashing us for celebrating you know, Easter, celebrating Christmas. stuff like that and kind of claiming them as pagan holidays okay and i've had i've had conversations with her but i don't know if i'm communicating the right way um and i just was calling to see if i could i pick your brain and try to come up with a different approach how to handle this
0: okay there are a couple of approaches i mean i think that uh whether it's delivered in a a nice way or a difficult way, it's still something good to be delivered it's a good concern whether my family is worshiping God incorrectly and they've become little pagans and teaching my grandkids to be little pagans um I know it's a little harsh, but like I get it i it's it's okay to ask however, let's be honest about it so you know one of the ways if you haven't already done this is if you know I can't believe it, you're letting your kids go look at east your um um, have an Easter egg hunt on Easter, you know, you worship the resurrection and then what What are you doing? You're going to get Easter eggs. And you know, I can agree with your, I can agree with anyone that's listening. Easter eggs have nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, neither does watching a baseball game. Um, neither does getting your car washed. I mean, there are so many things in our lives that have nothing to do with the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I would kind of start within an agreement. And then I would just ask my mother-in-law, I'd say, or my mom, I forget, was it did you say it was your mother-in-law?
4: Yeah, mother-in-law.
0: Yeah, so I would just ask her, are you saying that we worship the false god Ishtar? And just ask her. There's a you know, and who knows, maybe she knows who Ishtar is, Uh, you know, because again in in the three hundreds, Constantine married the church to the state and he took very common pagan holidays and he christianized them and i don't know what his motives were i don't know what but but he he took away the paganness of them or at least attempted to i'm not sure that everybody left their paganism completely maybe they did but you know they he tried to uh take what was pagan and make it christian because he became a christian he wanted rome to be christian and so here we are you know 1700 years later 1800 years later and we have bunnies and easter eggs and i have to say many people don't have anything to do with the resurrection on easter they don't they they're totally caught up in things that have nothing to do with the lord but you're different you are participating in something and you're not worshiping ishtar and you can look her in the eye and go i know you think we are but we are not worshiping ishtar and then and then let that conversation you know again I'm I'm a little firm right now, but it may not be that firm of a conversation. And then she may have a comeback. Well, I think it's wrong. And I just don't want it. I want that for my grandkids. I said, just trust me, there are kids. We're gonna raise them to love Jesus. And I think they know the difference between the Easter bunny and Jesus. I think they know the difference between Mickey Mouse and Jesus. And that's how we're gonna train our kids, number one. Another approach that I would do in the same breath is I would say, Do you participate in anything pagan? Um, mom, you know, however you call her. And she may say, I'll never, I want anything pagan. And then you just say, well, well, what's today? What do you mean? What's today? Well, what's the name of today? Well, well, it's Sunday. Why is it Sunday? "Uh, I don't know. Well, do you worship the sun God? Oh, I can't believe it. Why would you tell me I'm worshiping the sun God? How would you say (laughs) such a thing? We're talking about you, not me. You know, that kind of conversation. Well, today right. was named Sunday after worshiping the sun god, and guess what? Tomorrow, when we say it's Monday and we write it down, put it on our checks, talk about it, Monday is dedicated to the moon god. Do you worship the moon on Mondays? And and you're trying to reason with her, right? You're trying to reason with her, like Jesus, like God says in Isaiah: "Come, let us reason together." And I do believe you can. All of us can do this. We can have really good foundational principle beliefs, but find and and hold to them ourselves, but find a very poor way of applying them in other people's lives. So it would be better to say for your mother-in-law, you know, I'm just really concerned about the paganization of Christianity, um, how so many people care about the bunny, they don't care about Jesus. It would be so much better for her to say it that way instead of going, I can't believe you're pagan and you're celebrating pagan holidays because you it's not enough for you to look her in the eye and say we're not trust me and then you want to explain and kind of reason with her to let the holy spirit somehow shake in her mind that she can trust her son-in-law with her grandkids he's going to answer to God for them
4: right no, that makes i mean it does make sense
0: and it is hard yeah. you know family families are hard families are difficult <laughs> um it is it is challenging, but same with Christmas. I can't believe you have Christmas trees. Christmas trees are so pagan. Uh, and then, you know, whatever that passage is, is in Ezekiel or Isaiah, about or Jeremiah. It was in Jeremiah where, you know, it talks about cutting down trees, bringing it home, decorating them. That was a pagan practice, 100%. Absolutely. They cut down trees. They decorated them. They bowed down to them. They worshiped their pagan gods. But that's not the issue. The issue is this. Do you think that when I'm cutting a tree down and and decorating it, that I'm bowing down to it to a pagan god? Well, I just don't want anything pagan in my house. Well, let's walk through your house. Let's flip through your books. Let's look at your history of watching on Netflix. Let's look at your calendar. Um, we live in pagan land. Of course, there's going to be pagan stuff around us. We live in an unbelieving, Christ forsaking, God hating world that's filled with many antichrists. We have to learn how to be in the world, not of the world. Jesus was able to do it, and so are we. Right.
4: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely not the approach that I had. <laughs> so that might <laughs> that might come off a little bit better.
0: I know it's it, it's it's hard. Listen, Jesus said it. It's easier to talk about it on the radio. We, she's not here. We're not in the same room. We're, a prophet's not without honor, except in his own home, uh, his own country. Like family issues are some of the hardest, and it really it does boil down to not, not her beliefs. It's not her beliefs. It's not her principles. It, what here's what it boils down to in my mind. Do you trust? Do you trust me, Cody, the dad of these kids? to disciple them to follow Jesus. That's really, that's really it. And we that means if I go participate in golf, I'm not worshiping the golf course. I'm teaching my kids a game. If, you know, I watch a Disney show, I'm not supporting the LGBTQ community. I'm watching a Disney cartoon. And, well, you know, all those messages in the Disney cartoon. Yeah, I'm actually going to use those messages to teach my kids how the world thinks. Like, right. that, like that, I made this mistake and I guess I'm speaking more from a mistake I made as an early believer where I became so legalistic, so hyper. I was so concerned with my son Eddie uh, that he didn't I I this was my concern. That I was so fearful that he would turn out as bad as I did if I didn't parent him right. Um and so I was I would read a book about cartoons and then I'd like, "Oh, no more cartoons for Eddie." And I would read a book about this and no more. We're going to be holy under the Lord. But I needed to learn how to be holy unto the Lord while I taught my son how to be holy unto the Lord. It wasn't just a bunch of dictates to him. It was, this is this is what... I, one thing I told my kids, you know, I have three kids, and one thing I told all my kids as God was teaching me how to parent was, you know, don't forget, adults make cartoons. Don't you ever forget that. There are adult messages in cartoons so, you know, don't believe everything it's, they say, don't believe everything the characters say or what they do. And, and I think maybe even with your mother-in-law, there's a conversation to say, you know, this world is difficult and I, and I'm I'm not going to speak for you, but perhaps you feel this way. I don't believe in isolation. I don't believe we should run to the hills and hide our kids from the world I think we should live in the world, not be of the world, and teach our kids how to be strong christians and and good light in the darkness and If that means letting them go find eggs and reminding them that we have the privilege of finding eggs today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna do it, Mom, and I'm not a pagan
4: right, yeah, and that's I mean that's essentially what it is, is like I told her it's not that word participating in the worldly act of it. You know, we're celebrating the day for the real reason. But, you know, these certain things that happen on the holidays, you know, like finding Easter eggs or decorating the tree, whatever it may be, like that's just something fun for the kids. And it's not like we're trying to, you know, um, I guess influence them that way.
0: Right. And, you know, I took, a, I took a different approach for some time. I, there was a long time I didn't let the kids do it. And then later I did let the kids do it because um, pri- primarily because my mother in law um, liked to hide money in those plastic eggs. So why would I want my kids not to go get that money? I mean, right. I, it was a very, pri- I know there are parents listening that would disagree, but like, it was very like, why would I tell my kids they can't go get the money? It's fine. You, I know they're not worshiping. I know they know and love Jesus. They, they are not fooled by the bunny in the mall or the man dressed up as Santa Claus. Um, we, we didn't celebrate Santa Claus, but we also didn't pretend he wasn't out there. That's like pretending Mickey Mouse doesn't exist. That's just not possible. The fictional character of Mickey Mouse exists, and so does the fictional character of the Easter egg. so does the fictional character of the uh the well i might I'm saying all this, and there might be kids listening, but fictional <laughs> like i i just I just think this let me summarize it this way. I just think we should tell our kids the truth. We should not be known right. as liars and and if they know the truth, then they can enjoy a lot of things without sin, because Jesus showed us how, how it could be done. Right.
4: Okay. Well, it's very, very insightful, and I appreciate the advice.
0: And it's a great question. I mean, it's uh, something that didn't come up pre-Easter, but I know a lot of people are thinking about it. And you know, even churches doing Easter egg hunts. I haven't gone that far myself, but a lot of friends have. And, you know, it's great for them. It's I'm not going to judge them. They're not my servant. Um, and if it's an outreach to the community, great. But I know that my friends, when they teach the Bible, they are crystal clear of why we're gathering, what the day represents, why we're celebrating, and then presenting the gospel to them. And I think, you know, I think as you guys get a little bit more time together, perhaps, um, we could get to the root of what's really at the, you know, where is your mother-in-law really? Is it really about? paganism because i don't think it is she uses pagan names for for the month of the year and for the days of the week she has ever since she learned the days and i don't think she's a pagan
4: yeah i think the root i might know it and that will probably be another question for next week <laughs> when I call it.
0: okay that sounds That's good well a
4: long topic so
0: hopefully i'll get to see you in september man
4: yes sir i appreciate it
0: okay brother bye-bye Shout out to everyone in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm very excited to be able to come out there. I I didn't know we were on the radio in Knoxville, Tennessee. So uh, I think we're on the Calvary Chapel station out there as well, our teaching program. I did know that. um, And I've been uh, very grateful uh, for the opportunity to be on their station. Uh, But now this Radio by Grace has also put us out there. Uh, and so I do appreciate Pastor Mark Kirk and the ministry he's doing there in Knoxville, but I also appreciate uh, Pastor Bill Gem and the Radio by Grace team. Uh, and so listening everyone, everyone, Pastor Bill uh, out with Hope FM, my brother in Truth FM, um, my buddy in Idaho, uh, shout out to Idaho as well. Um, um, oh my goodness, my names won't, I can't catch up with the names. My brother just had on Easter his first... He had his first service out there, and I can't remember his name. I was just looking at his update today, Um, but a brand new church plan in in Boise, uh, and Scott, Scott Billings, there you go, there you go, Ed, 303-690-3000, let's head over to Amarillo, Texas, Stephen, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Ed. Nice to talk with you. I wanted to start by just thanking you. I get to listen to you every day when I'm driving home from work, and it's always encouraging.
0: Oh, that's great, man. Thank you so much for that encouragement.
4: And uh, the reason I'm calling, I'm hoping you can come into agreement and prayer with me. God put uh, another gentleman into my life for about three years. His name is Tharun. He's a first-generation America, American. His parents are from India, Okay. He's grown, he grew up in a Hindu environment, okay. but man, I'm just believing that Jesus is going to meet him.
0: That's awesome. Let's do that. Father, I pray for this young man, uh, that this first generation, uh, this Hindu, who I'm sure is very kind and sincere and genuine. And now you've brought Stephen, among many others, into his life, just reminding him that there is a one true God in heaven who loves him and loves him so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for him. And so I pray for this man, God, that truly I agree with Stephen. I come into agreement in prayer, desperately asking for the salvation of this man and in authority in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
4: Amen. Thank you, you. Thank All right, you. let us
0: know how it goes.
1: Will do.
0: All right, bye-bye. A great follow-up text question. Uh, It's good for me to clarify. Uh, Right along the lines of what the last caller about his mother-in-law, what do you say about perpetuating the lie about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny? Um, As I said in the call, I in no way at all ever um, want to be dishonest with my kids or with anybody. Uh, And so I will not participate in perpetuating any kind of lies about fictional characters even on cartoons, even with Disney. even I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to be deceptive. I don't want my kids to ever believe me on one thing, and I go, ha-ha, it's not true. I would rather enjoy whatever we're doing in the realm that it is. I want them to know that when I say the Bible is true, they trust me. And when I say something is false, they trust me. Um, And I do believe that we can be truthful and participate and hey you know this is not real but let's have fun let's pretend you know the, the, we have the privilege of pretending and using our imagination and maybe stepping into like like reading a good book of fiction uh and it, it 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 god has given us all things richly to enjoy so we don't need to corrupt all this fictional stuff with sinful dishonesty so i can't participate and nor per- perpetuate dishonesty i know n- but i think if we talk about it and it's true uh, you know we tell the truth about it we can still enjoy it and it's goofy you know and i mean kids are not kids are not dumb um they know what's right and what's wrong they uh, obviously in the younger ages they'll believe everything but they wise up very quickly and one thing i want to be steady in my relationship with my kids is that they can trust me about everything and I just didn't always live my life like that as an unbeliever and back then of course I was married with a young son and I just wasn't a truthful person Um, and God he is he is truth that's his nature and he dwells in me and so if something's fictional then I want to tell I mean my kids are grown now um, but I don't want to lie to them for the sake of culture or for sake of well you know um like you can still have fun with the same characters and be truthful i think you can have more fun actually um but to to and and you know when it comes to santa claus it's better to talk about saint nicholas uh, which santa claus was loosely based on and and the great exploits that nick that saint nick uh, participated in in the name of Christ, and then you can fast forward to the mall, or you can fast forward and say, "Here is the how the world does things." But ho ho ho, we can have fun, you know. And, but tell the truth, tell the truth. And obviously, a bunny's not six feet tall, giving you eggs doesn't make sense. So tell the kids the truth. God bless you guys. See you this weekend. We're back in the Book of Acts. Calvary C O Church. Church.